And they call you on your bullshit too. Like I've explained to Addie sometimes, like we're not doing this because it's dangerous for a plant and then I'll go and do it. And she's like, hey, you said. And yet you do it with unsustainable things. And I said, oh, please go on. Like I'm really excited because I think I know where you're going with this. And he said. If anyone is not watching, um, Charles Dowding and Hugh Richards. I love Hugh Richards yep. so much. Women on a Green Mission. Follow along as two friends document their unfailing permaculture journeys. Join our chat each week where we will be sharing how we and others apply the ethics and principles of permaculture to our gardens and daily life. We're no experts. We're at the start of our journey, learning and fumbling our way to a greener life. You're guaranteed to witness a few successes, plenty of failures, laughs and swearing. We'd love your company along the way. You're listening to the Practical Permaculture Podcast with Joe Flintham and Elise Gallagher. Hey. Back again and hello to everyone at home listening. I'm excited this week. We have got some amazing guests on, but before... Before we tell you who they are, you'll know who they are. You've read the show notes. You've seen the title. It's all on Instagram. How our weeks have been going. So what's been what's been happening for you this week, Elise? Oh, we have had a big week. We made an offer on property and it got accepted. Yes. So we exchange hopefully this coming week, and if all goes to plan, we'll settle just before Christmas. But we've also. Mm, I'm so relieved like I just want it to happen before the new year so that we know what's happening we can plan a little bit for next year because I'm a planner um and just yeah start actually working on our site sector um and looking into what we can do on this little plot of land and really digging deep into the community now that we know that's what we're where we're going to be um I'm kind of knee deep in council regulations and the LEP and all the planning and trying to figure out what we can and can't do and if we're going to get kicked off living in our caravan on our own land and how that's going to work and all the kind of things so that's where we're at but we've also been smashed with sickness so the kids got sick Oscar got sick I think I'm about to get run down as well kind of just feeling achy this morning and a bit gross so yes we're kind of just keeping treading water keeping our heads above water but also all this big stuff happening in the background as well so yeah it's kind of like just massive keep week planning, just keep swimming pretty much like a duck on water at the moment paddling like crazy and just trying to cruise through it all and make it to the other side I'm so happy for you, though, that you found a block that resonated with you both and you were able to put an offer down, get it secured, yeah. and to have that that relief and that knowing that you're able to now move forward with the bigger plans, mm. it must be such a good feeling. Yeah, and it's been nice. Like, it actually rained a bit this week and it was quite windy and we've been driving past the block and seeing it in different weather as well, so just trying to figure out if there's water pooling and what's kind of going on a little bit and we sat there the other morning and the kids kind of sat in the back and had their breakfast and we had a cup of coffee sitting in the front seat just like sitting there looking at our block (laughs) watching the kangaroos nibble on the grass and just going oh this is going to be ours soon so it was very exciting to kind of be able to do that and go oh no this is actually going to be our little space so yeah it was really cool how beautiful and what about you what have you been up to well we had rain we had a huge storm last night um which was so wonderful we've had a little bit of yeah rain over the past week which for us has just been a godsend I mean 
I dumped a thousand liter IBC of water into the garden the other day and then it rained the following day, which is great because it filled the IBC back up again. But mm. um, before that, everything had just been so, so dry. So yeah. it's starting to green up beautifully here. We're starting to um, harvest some of our veggies that are uh, coming on. So the zucchinis are starting to produce. Wow, which is- already. Um, and we're about to uh, pull the mustard greens and um, pop yep. those back into the garden and cover them up and, um, you know, let them go and do their thing and produce soil for us. And You're doing uh, that like an in-situ kind of compost or that's, kind yeah, of Yeah, that's exactly yep. what we're doing. So, um, yes. yeah, we've got, we've got potatoes growing on the outside. We've got mustard greens and a whole heap of other uh, leafy greens. We had a lot of seeds. I think I've mentioned that in past episodes. I've got a seed problem. So I had a lot of seeds that were out of date or coming up to being um, up to their use by date. So I went, I'm just going to go and throw the lot in. So we've got a whole he got huge amount of diversity in there, which is fantastic. The bees are going nuts because everything's flowering. Like, yeah, the mustards, the um, some of the lettuces flowering that they've altered because we had some hot weather. We've got the rocket yeah. that's all flowering. So it's just, it is literally a buzz in there, which is great. Oh, have to take yeah. some photos so i will I actually took a little video the other day i haven't put it up yet because um of what happened with that um mobile carrier that we won't mention that um, oh yeah went down so i was not able to do anything there but i didn't um, i didn't know that happened until i went into town and someone <laughs> mentioned it and i was like oh cool and they're my provider too and i had no idea <laughs> well i woke up that morning and i thought oh i haven't had any emails or messages or the usual um that I would be nice expecting slow day. to get and um, <laughs> well I had an interview on that day as well so I've had an interview this oh, week um so yeah as I mentioned before winding up the business and going back into employment so yeah had an interview on that week and I hadn't realized here's a bit of a gaff it'd be funny if I do get the job and I can tell them this later um <laughs> I didn't realize they'd send me a copy of the position description in the um in the calendar invite so I've just RSVP'd and then I realized 10 minutes before going in that there was an attachment but I didn't have internet oh. so I couldn't download it so I'm sitting in the car beforehand I going so do oh, that I'm going in a little bit blind here but it it worked out I got a call back for a second interview so we'll see how that goes. um so that'll be really nice to get to, yeah for for both of us to be employed again I never thought I'd say those words but just mm. to have a little bit of stability and allow us to refocus is is going to be amazing because it's it's yeah it's just going to free us up to be able to really give our heart and soul back to this place. So it'll be really interesting to see what shifts happen for you in the coming months and how that feels, um, you know, in a couple of months' time. It's I think it's going to be huge. I really do. Um, so mm. yeah, I'm embracing it wholeheartedly and. Um, it'll take the pressure off as well. I mean, you know, we've just we yeah. just got word today that our refinance has been approved Yay! so that we can leave one of the big fours um, and that we've been with for many, many years. And I, I just wanted to yeah share this part that it blew me away there. So we're coming out of our fixed term early December and mm-hmm. the interest rate that this bank has offered us as being their value customer. Now, we've had a mortgage with them. Loyal customers. Uh, for decades because we've had, you know, the, our previous property was with them, this property was with them, our business banking is with them, our yeah. personal banking, everything, all our finances, anything that we've done, any loans, anything that we've needed has been with them. They said, well, because you're so valued, we're going to give you an interest rate. It was like 7.8%. Mm, I'm which, not looking forward to what ours is going to be. 
Like when you look at oh my what the standard variable is at the moment, and that was with that was with our special discount, and That's I was crazy. so cranky, and I thought, you know what, we just get treated like uh, a, a profit number. Like we are just a number. I know that's you know, <laughs> you know, quite negative thinking, but with the big four banks, that is all we are. Mm. We are just a point of profit for them, and I'm mm. so glad we've actually moved. And I'm happy to give them a plug because they have been nothing but phenomenal. The mutual, um, so they're a, a sponsor us. Mutual Bank, Bank Mutual Bank, want to sponsor our podcast? Maybe yeah, we'll I'll, plug I'll, you. Is it a lot lower, or you don't know yet? So yeah, I think it. I think it's like yeah. I think it's going to be around like five point six nine, five point seven something. Wow. So it's a considerable, um, a considerable step down. And and the fact that you feel good about going with the mutual, you know, their values yeah. align with you. They're local. They're community based. Yeah. Um, we actually went got a chance to go in and sit down with Taryn and actually have a chat to our lender and have her understand our situation with our business whereas mm. the other one one of the big fours and i won't won't mention it doesn't really matter which one it is because they're all the same mm. um anytime we've had to apply for anything we've basically had to supply everything including our blood type and our firstborn it's been yeah. ridiculous and then we don't get a chance to speak to anyone even yeah. now trying to um yeah trying to actually get in to talk to someone it was no you just need to make an appointment online and um we can talk Mm. to someone online and you can't go and see anyone in person I'm just like oh you know what we're out and how many people that we have met through permaculture that have swapped to the mutual and they're so happy and just the fact that they have these local little branches you know in a lot of smaller towns you can't get a branch of one of the bigger banks that they just don't exist you've got to go to the post office to do your banking exactly Um, and I mean so it's a it's good been around for many many years as well which is another thing and you know Hmm. a lot of the the smaller banks too that do pop up regionally and they say oh we look after our regional people um have only been around for a short time or they're just a subsidiary of one of the big fours so i was gonna say that yeah Yeah. it's well just one of the big fours in disguise and it's you know i know it's not permaculture based as such but it impacts your life and it's the lens in which you see the world through and it's part of the people care. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you are being treated as an individual and you're being assessed on your merits and your ability um, as individuals to be able to service your loan so that you have the stability and the safety of having, you know, your your abode, your your, mm. your safe haven. So it's, yeah. it, is, it is so important. So, yeah, that's been a positive. Yeah. Um, Good. What else has happened this week? Goodness. Um. We've marked out where the new turkey coop's going to go. Oh, exciting. I'm really excited about that because this has been something that we've wanted to um, get moved for a long, long time. Um, Mm -hmm. At the moment, they only get cooped at night and they're free-ranging during the day. But the problem is, is they free-range down around the house. And they've got beautiful areas. They've got great gardens. They've got these amazing spaces that they can go and forage in all day. Where do you think they hang out? On deck, yeah, right in our back door, <laughs> right our whole deck. Like, you know, it's just it's covered in turkey crap, so you can't <laughs> enjoy it. It defeats the purpose of a deck. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that's really good. So they'll be closer to the house, and so we're going through the process of just redesigning 
um, what that's going to look like and making sure that it's multifunctional so that when we do eventually decide that we want to breed our own birds, um, that we have brooding areas for mum and, um, you know, making sure the tongs are going to be separated out of the hens and, um, yeah, yeah. and and the other thing that we've got going on is also the duck enclosure. So that's the next oh. uh, the next design that we're uh, that we're putting in as well. So yeah, using a polytunnel cool. frame and um, just going to enclose that in wire and um, yeah, it'll it'll be good. It'll be really good. Nice, exciting. Have to share yeah. lots of photos of all these projects you got going on. Oh, I know. We just got to actually get started. We're still still in that planning stage, but I know that yeah, come Christmas we're going to be in full flight of a lot mm. of them. So I know I know exactly what'll happen. No though. pun intended. Full flight. Full flight. Ah! <laughs> love it oh, well your poultry oh. um so yeah we talk this week to will and anthea from maplewood permaculture so we first met um will through our pdc that we did he was a guest teacher um and i found out later on that my mom actually did her pdc with anthea so there's that little connection too we speak to them about what their business is we speak to them about the different branches of what they're doing how they're diversifying we talk to them about their community support that they have and their social permaculture involvement in their local community um which for joe and i was really cool because that's something that we are learning about and trying to get more involved with and sink our teeth into a little bit more um, and they're just the most lovely, lovely people. We so enjoyed chatting to them. We both got off the call and said we'd just learnt so much and there were so many things we wanted to kind of go look into after we jumped off the call with them. So we hope you like it. Is there anything you want to add, Joe? No, I think you covered it all, but they are they are just the heart and heart and soul type people. They're just beautiful. So nice. And incredibly gracious and knowledgeable and very willing to give of themselves and we do cover that too around Mm. um you know being able to be accessible for all these different projects and different opportunities and events that pop up but yeah we know that you're going to absolutely love listening to them they're they're just amazing people and i thoroughly enjoyed this interview just a little warner though it is a very long episode because we initially planned to do them separately interview them separately and then once they both jumped on the call it just made so much more sense to do it together so it is a bit of a whopper feel free to listen to it in two parts but we hope you enjoy yeah i think grab a cuppa settle in and listen away yep give the kids some snacks make sure your animals are fed and enjoy Hey everyone, we're back for another episode and this week we've got Will and Anthea from Maplewood Permaculture. Welcome. So before we start, we just um, acknowledge where we're recording on, the land that we're recording on. So I'm up at Broomshead recording on Yeagle Country. Where are you guys? We're in Patterson uh, on Wanarua Country. Yeah, I'm, I'm up over in uh, Leckenfield and we're also on Wanarua country. Lovely. So to start with, can you tell us a bit about what Maplewood is? Um, the farm itself is, um, we're a two acre permaculture principled farm. Um, and then from the farm, we run primarily our business is design and education. We um, private design of backyards and properties, and and then education wise is um, started as uh, adult workshops, and now it also incorporates school visits as well. 
Yeah, so you were a guest teacher um, on a couple of days out at, at Limestone, and that's how we met. Yeah, that, they, that's another part of the education we do. So, um, yeah, very I love teaching at Limestone. Um, so that's awesome to um, come on board up there with Brett and Nikki. And then Anth and I also um, are guest teachers on the Purple Pair PDC down here in well, Edge of Maitland, basically, yeah. as well. But you do heaps more than that. You do workshops at Hive and Gobbler. You do social permaculture with the local schools. You've got permaculture at the pub. You've got work that you're doing with the councils. You guys just must be flat chat. And, and you go to farmer's markets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. So you do everything. Yeah. Just kind of what yeah. it, we just go with whatever comes up at the moment. There's always. Yeah. Like quite intentionally, it's always been to have um, as many small streams as possible yes. so that, yeah, we've got a resilient business that, you know, when one thing picks up and something else falls down, whether it's for, you know, econo- economically, you know, people don't have a lot of um, spare change to go and do gardening workshops, for example, but mm. they still need to eat mm. nutritious food. So, you know, we do a bit more on the market gardening side when, uh, workshops are quiet that sort of thing how so, do you find managing all that though and you know is is that um does that put you under pressure like to try and juggle those things all the time financially or um it's you right. know. It's more a time-wise kind of thing especially with gardening you know you have these great intentions you put seeds in and by the time harvest time comes around I think sometimes that's when you might have a lot of other things going on yeah that's probably one of the big challenges there is that you're planting things for the future and you don't know what you're going to be doing at that time that it'll be ready mm. to move on yeah, yeah it's and it's that whole you know we're pretty fresh and it's a new business and so when something exciting comes up we just do it yeah and you know you like for example you know we we had um like spring once spring hit we knew we had farmers markets on um, and so we had, you know, sort of back at the beginning of winter when we had set up for that, we didn't know, you know, that we'd have X, Y, and Z different contracts and opportunities and things come up during spring as well. And so then everything all arrives at once and you you just mm. go with it. <laughs> the waves of, yeah. you know, being busy and then being quiet. Uh, well, how did you first get into permaculture? Like sort of take us way back to the very start how did you discover it then I suppose like the rest of us you kind of fall in love and kind of fall into it yeah I think I think together it probably started we'd always been growing some veggies on our 240 square meters in in Newcastle Um, (laughs) but then once our once we had our first child we really started to think more about how much of our diet um you know like we weren't providing ourselves and then where that came from how it was grown where it was grown that kind of thing and from there sort of started to think about well the only way to really know is to grow it yourself right so we really looked into what we could provide for ourselves and then decided it was time to um, purchase a bigger property we during um, like some mums and bubs groups kind of thing we met a lovely couple who we're still very good friends with now who said you should look into permaculture and kind of just developed from there wow. her, her parents were teaching it back in the 80s 
Um, and so they were quite knowledgeable and we talked with them a lot about it, watched lots and lots of YouTube videos. We went, we went traveling in, um, 2018, I think it was, we went to, they, they're from Canada. So we're over in Newfoundland staying in their house and, um, we were down sleeping down in their basement and in the basement, they had this, um, bookshelf full of all these permaculture books, you know, we're having dinner and talking about you know, all these, like Bill Mollison and all this sort of thing. And um, so overnight when I go down to bed, we were like getting books. Like, <laughs> reading books and then we we're sort of like, oh, I can't wait to get home. I want to get back to Australia. And like, <laughs> How cool. And, uh, so when we got back, that was when um, I like a, pretty much got off the plane and enrolled in Brett's course <laughs> um, and then went from there. And then when did you actually start your business side of what you're doing? Right at the beginning of COVID. Joys. <laughs> time, right? We literally registered the business, I think, that the Christmas before. Yeah. And um and we had like we we got a couple of clients in and um and then like our first like really exciting thing was we were doing a presentation at Maitland Taste Festival. Mm-hmm. And then um, the whole thing got canned two days before because of this virus. Wow. <laughs> we're like, oh, this might actually become, like, what's going on? This, this seems like it's real. And then obviously then the whole world shut down. Um, yeah, so then we just sort of, we couldn't do much really We because we, we're not, obviously weren't on the farm. Not We're yeah. not on the farm. So mm-hmm. um, we were living at that time we're living in Morpeth, um, mm-hmm. like half an hour from the farm. Couldn't get up here um, with lockdowns so and everything like so that. So you weren't able to get up to the farm at all during lockdown? Well, yeah, we, no, there we, was... Too um, far. Yeah. yeah, it was outside of our It wasn't even... Area. We were in living in Maitland Council area and it was in Dungogshire. Yeah. Yeah, so you, can't, you couldn't cross yeah. the magical line. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like, literally started the business and then just sort of for a couple of years didn't like in between lockdowns and stuff like that could get up here and you know didn't do much because didn't know what was coming next Mm. um and then yeah business wise also like you know you couldn't go to people's houses and that sort of thing either so it was sort of like we just sort of like set it up and then went oh cool (laughs) (laughs) and by um i don't even remember probably like 2022 that was only last year. Was it last year? It probably was. It was probably like, I think like last year was probably our first full, I think it was a full year. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been. Probably our full, yeah. first like full year where we actually like, okay, we're like, we can come to your house now and yep. we can run workshops and all that sort of thing. So yeah, for 20, wow. 2020 and 2021, we we're kind of like, oh, great. We've made this registered business and then did nothing with it. Oh, <laughs> wow. So- that would have been a bit. Were you still in your old jobs then, or yeah, yeah? And what were you doing at that point? Uh, I was just I was working at a local bank. Mm-hmm. Um, it really I had a retail um, background, but when I went on maternity leave and realised going back to retail probably wasn't like a good idea. Lots of, to either go, either have to go back full time mm. or casual, which means a lot of three hour shifts. And when you're looking for someone to look after your kids while you do that doesn't really work so um found a local bank who like 
was a more ethical kind of bank that I could agree with a lot of their policies and was a lot more family friendly, um, getting paid maternity leave the second time mm. around and things like that were big benefits, more like school friendly hours, that kind mm. of thing. No Thursday nights and Sundays and yeah. that, that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and it served us really well, I think, while, uh, you know, we kind of found our feet with the business and that kind of thing. But mm. I was able to leave there in March this year and just commit full time to the business. Wow, good on you. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very and exciting. Because yeah. that transition time's hard. It's like, you know, when you pull the pin on that bread and butter money that's coming in from a traditional job to then yeah. mm. Oscar and I will be in the same position. He's working four days a week remotely. And when we buy this land, that's kind of going to be my focus. It's like, well, he just wants to get in there straight away. It's like, but he's got to kind of persevere as well. And, you know, it's a juggling act. And then work when he's not working in his paid job to establish things. Um, so yeah it is hard to find that yeah Mm. in the end for us because Will had already kind of transitioned away from his uh, full-time teaching role Mm -hmm. we found that it was really hard to run the business with me working that part-time job because we were having having to run the business around my work hours and And the the kids yeah and all of that and it was just always coming at least second if not third or fourth Mm. or um wherever it just had to fit in and so we just said, no, like, I'll just have to leave that job so we can work everything else around the business stuff. And practically, did that mean that you had to save some money up to buffer or you just kind of took the plunge and it's like, well, we have to make money because now we've got none yeah. coming in? A little bit of that. Yeah. So like, I'm, yeah, big believer of that, like you build the runway. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Go for takeoff. Mm, and yeah. we've been planning for it all through lockdown. Yeah, yeah <laughs> true. Yeah. You had a bit of a runway, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plenty of time to uh, to discuss it and, and get it get the details bedded in. Mm. Um, yeah. I'd love to ask a little bit more about the design side. So, Will, with your uh, design consulting, for people who might be listening um, who are really only just venturing into permaculture and don't really necessarily understand what a permaculture design is could you give us a bit of an overview of what that is from your perspective and what you actually do in a consult yeah um probably best to i'll just sort of explain the process i go through i think is probably mm-hmm. the yeah that'd be um, great t- typically so we sort of sort our um projects in a few different ways so sometimes it's just purely consulting so it's um uh, like an hourly based walk and talk okay. sometimes that is just for the client to they want to get their all their ideas out of their head basically and for us to be a sounding board for them mm-hmm. um so yeah often then it's like yeah do that no that no, that won't work because of x y and z mm. sort of thing uh and then we've sort of that they're like the little jobs i guess and then um design wise is sort as a whole begin with the the people the place we do the site sector analysis with them and it's a lot of trying to give them um like an expediated pdc almost like trying to teach them permaculture through the design process mm-hmm. so that when they get to the end of it they've got something on paper that they can implement but they've also got an understanding of how it was formed. So the knowledge. Very, yeah, very much trying to, site sector ends up being, like a lot of that analysis ends up being 
like the crux of it to really get them to understand what they're working with. Yeah. So at least they understand all those patterns of their place, even when we leave, they can go, oh, okay, Will and Anthea have explained, you know, this is where our um, rainfall is in the year. This is, I can't plant in this spot because of. And mm. so, um, so you both do the design work together? We, now we do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to oh, go cool. along for the initial, um, like, chat and walk around the property, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Will is definitely very much in charge of the drawing. <laughs> These drawings are so beautiful. So when we did our design course, I was like, oh, were you an artist before? He was like, no, I was a teacher. I was like, I, <laughs> I love it. I was like, where did you learn? He said, oh, you know, you just, you know, you develop your own style and it's just, they're beautiful. They're so, so beautiful. Yeah, we, we went home. I think Anthony um, and I have still got our little drawings that we did with you because yeah, they are the too. best drawings that I think we'll ever do. They're just <laughs> random pictures of trees and a couple of different structures. But, like, yeah, I've you know, mine's behind me. I, I use technology because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. But, yeah, these little ones that we did went to practice. I think I almost want to frame them because I'm like, these are the best ones ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've put them on our Instagram. So if anyone's interested in having a look at um, what you guys do, I've posted them on there and they'll be saved in our highlights as well. So, yeah, and if you've got more, feel free to share them so people can have a look at what yeah, you're doing because it's a couple more to go for the year. They're beautiful. Um, yeah, so that, that part basically, uh, it's still that sort of walk and talk and, and troubleshooting, explaining how to read their property. And then um, the second half of it really, I guess, is a lot more like typical landscape design or, um, yeah, you're sort of you're more your standard garden design format where it's planting lists. Um, yeah. Getting down into the, the sort of the details of yeah. planning with details basically and then capturing that in the illustration and the uh, documentation of how to do it. Yeah, and do you then do follow-up after that or it's kind of that's where they're at and then you can do more of those one-on-one -on -one walking sessions if they need it? Yeah, or... we uh, always, like, check in. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, occasionally it's, um, you know, further questions or want to do more than, like, start. We always, we always try to encourage people to go with a smaller plan mm. uh, and just sort of work on something manageable first. And then, so sometimes it's like, oh, well, we're going to, we want to do the next bit now, that sort of thing. But mm. um, yeah, I, the best part of it is we just make lots of friends. Yeah, it would be <laughs> so cool. You kind of like, you really, you know, it's certain people that uh, are going are attracted to, to it. find value in it yeah. and, mm. and hire you in the first place. And so mm. naturally, like, we'll, we pretty much always resonate with whoever we're working with. That's so I mean, by cool. The time you spend, yeah. By the time you spend like 10 to 20 hours with someone at their place over the course of, um, it usually like we stagger it out over a, at least a few months to see the property at different times of the year. Mm. Uh, it's certainly not like don't hire us if you're like, oh, I need this garden designed by <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happen. yeah. Um, but you know, you spend that, yeah, you get to know them really well and their place really well. And it's all about them explaining what their goals are. And usually it's, you know, they want to do some sort of homesteading or a regenerative ag business or, you know, all of those. It's, it's quite personal, you know, it goes into your habits, you know, how do yes. you access your laundry and how do you, you know, do you have a cup of tea on your front veranda in the morning? Like, what do you do? What's your 
habits in your life because that informs the design so much. So I can imagine it, it is very pers- personal and yeah. It has different limitations as well. You know, yeah. we, we design for people who work full time and volunteer for, you know, all these different things outside of their working hours. And so time is like very precious and limited to them. And there's only mm. certain times of the day they interact with the property. Um, it might be a financial restriction or uh, council dictated things or there's mm, yeah. just so many different limitations as well mm. and you really have to kind of get to know the client to understand that. Mm. It's really yeah, understanding those boundaries, isn't it, of, yeah. of what we can all work within because in a perfect world we'd all be doing everything all at once all the time. <laughs> but that's not the reality of it. The reality is that, yeah, we all have those restrictions and those boundaries and for people listening it's really important for them to understand that that's okay. You know, just because mm. you're seeing someone else do it in a particular way or they're further along their journey doesn't mm. mean that you're in a lesser place or, or not doing as much. It's just that you're doing it in a really nice and sustainable way for your particular situation and context. And that's part of permaculture too. You know, you need to be able to read the land and be there long enough to be able to make those informed decisions. Um because, you know, I was, I was listening to Liz, Liz Zorab on a podcast that she was um, on and she was saying they moved to their new property and as much as she wanted to just plant everything out, it's like what's that balance of, okay, well, I'll get a kitchen garden at least because I can move that if I really have to mm. and waiting long enough so that you see it in different seasons or you see it with the rain and where the rain's falling and where's the wind coming from and, you know, you can't just do it straight away as much as we'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's always that balance of potential and constraints, and mm, trying yeah. to meet one and and uh, not outdo the other. And then, what other workshops do you have? So, you're with Hive and Gobbler too, doing stuff with them. Yeah. So, aside from the um, sort of like those private projects, um, we have been doing Hive and Gobbler. So, Hive and Gobbler is a little um well, sustainably-minded store in Dungog, I guess you'd explain it as, a slow mm-hmm. living, mm. all the good things. Yeah. Um, it's really so we've cool. So we've been doing work yeah. there, um, not totally sporadically. Like next year we're doing them bi-monthly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, every couple of months we, we'll do a weekend workshop where we sort of just drill down into uh, one particular zone of permaculture or a particular skill, so seed raising, composting, um, and then other oh, drawing workshops have been, they're quite a popular one really, mm, yeah. doing, teaching, but having a great day sitting down drawing. Yeah, <laughs> getting paid to do it. Like we mm. don't want them to get stale and, and people do return for more workshops and so we're always trying to think of new things that people mm. want to learn, taking on feedback as well about the things that people are interested in. And yeah. Um, yeah, so who knows what will be up on the schedule for next year. <laughs> and for the kids, what kids' programs do you do or education? Uh, yeah, so we've just sort of recently got into doing, um, like both of our, obviously our kids go to local schools and preschools. We started doing like just volunteering in gardens there anyway. Mm. Um, but, yeah, recently have done things like, um, you know, teaching worm farming to some high school students and teaching... Yeah. Um, how to build compost and where to put veggie beds and I think it will become a bit more of a, a focus that we try to work with in yeah. more education settings because that's both of us have that training in our backgrounds yeah um and then yeah some school holiday 
ones yeah. as well that are more of a chance of um for the parents to we, we try to do it so that the parents can talk to one of us while the other one is doing some sort of hands-on gardening thing with yeah the kids. and so the parents can come and like ask some gardening questions get a little bit of time for them while the kids you know uh, making seed bombs and bee hotels and decorating flower pots and all that stuff it always seems to turn into a Q&A at some point anyway. <laughs> Will started doing workshops uh, again back during like 2020 um, at a local market and there'd always be a topic that he, you know, would say, okay, this week we're talking about food forests or whatever it might have been. And it would always just end up saying with a group of people saying, I've got this wrong with my lemon tree. What do I do? <laughs> Or I've got this test that's just come in mm. for the first time. What is it? How do I manage that? And so we do try to keep part of it at least pretty loose so that you've got time for people to really bring forward the questions mm. that they've got on their mind. And it kind of turns into a bit of a consultation sometimes. Mm. And, and that, that's what I was about to say. That part yeah. becomes really great because usually when they come with a direct question and they're looking for a specific answer, that immediately says, like, okay, I'm not understanding the whole garden as yes, a system. Yes, the context. So yeah. that opens up this beautiful conversation. I'm like, okay, so you're worried about this particular insect. Let's zoom out and go, okay, why is that happening? What's what's your ecology look like? What's mm. your, what are you doing for biodiversity in the garden? And then it becomes like this little funnel into permaculture for them. We're like, yeah. oh, it's not a bug to... problem. It's a lack of duck problem. Yeah, that's that's... <laughs> individual problems I can um, look at it as a whole system and let yeah. it balance itself out yeah so cool these people sort of walking away sort of going having those moments that you had <laughs> reading the books yeah <laughs> when you're in Canada but just I, I need to get back and really start to understand this more yeah you have that conversation and they're like do you come to people's houses <laughs> like, yes. yes we do that's <laughs> yeah. sort of where it comes yeah off you go do you find that permaculture at the pub that you guys run is people kind of seeking information more or people that are in it and they're kind of wanting yeah. to just catch up? Yep, more of the second one. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. how it started. It it was honestly just it, like I felt like every time we went down to the local pub, like in smaller, more rural communities like this, the pub is such a hub of conversation mm. and, and connection with the rest of the community. And so we'd be down there for like a netball raffle or a soccer club meeting or something and run into someone who just happened to be into permaculture or we didn't even know it until we spoke to them there and, and it would come up and, oh, do you know this person? They live right near you and they're mm. developing a permaculture property as well. And they we found that there were so many people in the area who didn't know each other and we felt that they would benefit from knowing each other mm. or we just thought, oh, like, wouldn't it be great if we could just go down to the pub and talk about permaculture all the time? <laughs> Let's make it a regular thing so everyone's here at the same time. So cool. And then it's, it's kind of even been better than we expected, really. Yeah, it really has. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just every month we look forward to it. There's always new people there and there's always people there who are regulars and just want to come all the time. And such... Yeah, it's thanks to those people that, yeah. you know, they make the effort to come every month. And we always have a great time and a great chat and it's mm. like you just sort of see what they've been up to for the last, you know, the last four weeks and what's changed about mm. their farm or what, yeah. you know, what's the latest thing that we're all dealing with, <laughs> that sort of thing. 
action. a free thing. So it's hmm. part of that social permaculture. Joe and I always say that that's kind of one of our weak points. Like we haven't networked so much yet and we don't kind of have those skills. So we love hearing about it and learning about it because it's something that we're not really strong in yet. Yeah. A, a few times when I've posted things about it online and like trying to encourage more people to come and I've said like, if you want to meet a, we've got um, architects specialised in sustainability and permaculture, mm. we've got builders, we've got farmers, we've got florists, we've got artists, we've got, um, you know, like you name Small it. Small business owners, like you know. section over the community yeah. of if you come along and you, you know, you don't know what the next door that opens for you from that. Absolutely. I was really surprised. I I did go, I did get along. Anthony and I got along to one and it was the one that you guys weren't able to get along to. (laughs) So that was our one that we could get. We had one we were just sick, sick. very sick unexpectedly. Uh, So, And then we just missed the recent one we had a wedding to go to. But um, yeah. Yeah. But it's good that we, we like the fact that we don't have to be there either. Yeah, like it's, yeah. Because the it's, idea was that in a way, yeah, just how many people. Like I was, oh, I didn't really know what to expect, but I certainly wasn't expecting that many people. Like we walked in, and there's a few people that you know we already knew. And we're having a chat, and more coming in, going, "Is this is this where permaculture mm. at the pub is?" And how many people go? go? Oh. Anywhere oh, between was, twelve, oh, was, I think, the smallest, and forty. Yeah. Wow. I think been about 40 people but yeah, it's that's cool guys mostly, mostly it's like between a dozen and 20 people probably good on yous. that is yeah. so cool yeah yeah it's um, and it's great because you get like like such a big range of people with different experiences there's people there who literally don't even know what permaculture is they've been dragged along with a partner or a friend or something and then we get people who have been practicing for 20 years and can help other people along Mm. and it's really I think it's really good for like both ends of the scale because obviously we think about how people who are new to it can benefit from learning from more experienced people Mm. but I think it's really good too in having people who have been practicing for a long time uh, kind of be reminded of where people are starting from um, Mm. how they're coming into it because if you're running a business stuck in your own circle as an educator you kind of can forget I think what people don't know like Mm. that's why we started this because we found that a lot of the podcasts were so high level that if you're getting into it it's like this is too much this is too big and you either go this is a later problem and you just totally you know don't go down that track then I think that's really sad that there's no kind of in for people who are just starting out or for people like us where we admit we don't know about social permaculture very much that's something that we're really trying to learn about um and kind of go you know what this is hard sometimes and sharing you know at the beginning of each episode we share what we've been up to so you know for me that'll be our DA and building garden beds and finding resources and starting our business and I think that those relatable things kind of get forgotten and we get to this big level stuff around soil microbiology and you know really high level ethics stuff where some people are just not at that level yet or at that point in their journey that's it. It's yeah, important. Yeah. They're important discussions to have and they're incredibly valuable discussions to have. But, yeah, I exactly what you were saying, Lise. Yeah, when I first started out, I would love listening to this, but then I'd have those moments of, holy crap, like where do I start? What do I do? I It's just too overwhelming. It was too much. So mm-hmm. to be able to, yeah, hear something that's just got some bite-sized things in there and go, yeah, you know what, I can do that. I can research mm-hmm. that. I can just sort of scratch into that a little bit more and see what happens 
And most people get into it because they think permaculture is gardening. So then to be confronted with all this social stuff and this political climate and all the other things, that's a lot. You know what I mean? To go, I'm going to grow some carrots to how am I going to help this big prop? You know what I mean? It's just, it's too much. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think um, it's just natural in permaculture as well to, uh, if you're talking about social permaculture, I often refer to it as valuing the marginal, you know, people come thinking I don't have anything to offer I'm brand new to this but like maybe they don't know much about permaculture but they've been preserving for years and they can everyone's, that. everyone's yeah. got something they can bring yeah. Yeah. and we're all constantly learning from each other and I think one of the best ways I heard it said and I can't remember who said it to quote them now but they said if you're over 35 and don't have a mentor under 25 you're missing out I love that so, yeah that is fantastic mm. it's, really it's nice. so great to remember that like the way things are changing with technology and stuff is a really obvious example that comes to mind that like there's so much younger people can teach us and mm. people see in one light as less experienced. There's going to be some kind of fresh perspective they've got. Mm. Mm. Especially yeah. when it comes to some of the social issues we're facing, you know, you can get very bogged down in your own way of thinking or the way you've been brought up. A lot of young people get... Um they get a bit of a bad rap sometimes you know they what do they know they don't have the experience and all you know all that rhetoric that goes with it but you know as you said Anthea they bring a fresh perspective they can see things that you know I can call myself an oldie I'm the oldest one here so you know us oldies yeah we do get stuck in our ways or we get a bit to be honest we get a bit tired sometimes and we think it's too hard it's too hard to change so let's just keep Mm -hmm. plodding along and it works okay but then someone comes along and says hey, have you thought about this? And all of a sudden life just becomes easier or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve just becomes a little bit more attainable. And it's, it's yeah. really important to understand. Diversity of perspectives. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you find children are totally undervalued in that way. Logical explanation to something, ask a child. Yeah. In their mind straight away, they just say, why don't you do it that way? And you just think, oh, well, that's a really good question because we've yeah. <laughs> always done it this yeah. way. That's how it just carries on. And they, I don't know, they just have this way of thinking about it that you kind of stop and go, yeah, it can be really simple. And they call you on your bullshit too. Like I've explained to Addie sometimes, like we're not doing this because it's dangerous for a plant and then I'll go and do it. And she's like, hey, you said, you said that's not good for the environment. Why are you doing it? It's like, okay, yeah, we need to reevaluate that. Actually, I uh, Emmett pulled this up. On the... <laughs> he came to. It was at night time. Like it was at home. He often has his big thoughts right before he goes to sleep. And he said, "Mum, how come you come to school and teach us about sustainability, and yet you do it with unsustainable things?" And I said, "Oh, please go on. Like I'm really excited because I think I know where you're going with this." And he said, "You use like big screens and stuff, which is electricity, and you know they've." they've been made overseas and and I said oh I'm so glad you asked me that because this is really important and I said basically we always try not to use that stuff but if we feel that your understanding of the topic will be benefited a great deal by using the technology that's when we do it and it was just really good that to see that logical thinking like well but why would you do something that's unsustainable while teaching about sustainability and mm-hmm. it's like kids just have the best like most logical way of thinking about it mm-hmm, and a beautiful sure. way of being able to bring it up as well whereas yeah. you know maybe coming from an adult that potentially could feel a little bit confrontational or judgmental True. whereas when it's from a child it's just so innocent it's like 
Yeah. Could you explain to me, yeah, why this this doesn't make sense in my head and I'm just trying to understand it? Mm. Yeah. Our kids are at that age where it's like, why are you eating fish and why are you eating an animal and a chicken is an animal and, you know, how that, you know, so we're having all those conversations at the moment with our two. Yeah, they're um, just sort of question askers, aren't they? <laughs> just they, because it's often stuff that, yeah, we get caught in a habit and we just keep doing things the way we yeah. do them and then they ask you about it and you think, oh, yeah, like it's probably time to reevaluate that. Mm. Yeah, totally. Think about why we're doing it and if we can do it better. Yeah. Basically, and then I saw on your Instagram page um, that you also do workshops and panels with the local council. Again, that's not something just like the school thing. Yeah. It's not something yeah. you planned for, but um, an offer came up, and we thought, "Yeah, that sounds like fun." Mm. Uh, it's well, they were great experiences. Yeah, they did a full day workshop, um, sort of just explaining permacult, like the pretty much a Was crash it- course in in design sorry was it the, the employees of council or was it open to anybody uh, like what it was, was it exactly intended for basically anyone in the lga to come along wow mm. but being that it was uh a freebie for them like fully paid for by the council um and you just got your tickets online there was definitely may have been a few people a, that a little way were... to get there <laughs> Getting six hours of free permaculture education. Yeah. <laughs> I, I must admit, I probably shouldn't say this on the recording, but I am outside, just outside the Cessnock LGA, where oh, we're sitting in the in the Singleton one. But I do keep an eye on what pops up just in case I need to use someone else's address. Yeah. If, we're using, if we're using edges, then something outside, you know, Cessnock Council would still benefit from you being You're there. Just living That's permaculture, like Joe. Literally 100 metres away from the boundary. Yeah. I can see the boundary. So we're mm. very much on the edges. Yeah, so, no, we that was great. We did a day of, uh, yeah, crash course in design and permaculture principles. Um, we're going to run something very similar again next year. Uh, and the sustainability dinner was a, a separate thing, but um, oh, I loved that. It yeah. was just we we uh, joined a panel of um, other local growers and um, sustainability-minded local business people, mm. basically. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just got to have a, a sit-down dinner and just – answer questions and talk as a panel about um future directions for for the local area how people can get involved in permaculture and and um, make little habit changes Uh, and again we got to meet some really cool people doing that like yeah we're really lucky that uh we've been invited to things like that and um got to find out what some other people like we were learning at the same time as as teaching so always really exciting Fantastic. So was that was that through Cessnock Council as well, or was that yeah, it was yeah. Oh, okay. I think. So obviously they'd been talking and said, "Oh, we've got um, Maplewood to come mm-hmm. and do this thing, and and they'd be good for your panel thing." And um, so yeah, I think it kind of developed from that. But yeah, separate separate events, um, and yeah, just it was just really fun. I think, and something that it was really good because we didn't have to, you couldn't really prepare for it. We didn't know what we we're going to be asked on the night or anything, and normally running a workshop would be kind of brushing up and talking about notes and kind of preparing just, slides or yeah things like uh, that and paper this, it was just resources turn up and expecting unexpected yeah yeah wow. <laughs> yeah and have dinner <laughs> nice yeah. um and you've done your teacher training yeah 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 I got to do that earlier this year it was um 
just it was just a great experience it was the first time I've been away from the kids they kind of got to an age where I thought okay I could probably leave them overnight you know for a few nights now and um, feel okay about it and it came up I'd been looking for something anyway and when Will and I have been doing courses in the past we kind of you do this I'll do this divide and conquer to kind yep. of bring more knowledge back into the business I'd watched Will do the Cert 4 with TAFE and thought that is definitely not for me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not great with an online style of learning anyway. It, I really benefit a lot more from that face-to-face um, mm. kind of interaction. So I needed a course that I could do face-to-face and I'd actually missed out on doing um, the Good Life Permaculture PDC during lockdowns and things. That ended up I booked in for it and it ended up being cancelled. Um, and I didn't get to do that one. So when this opportunity came up, I just saw it briefly online. It was really hard to find again once I kind of said I'm going to come back to that. Uh, and it was taught by Hannah Maloney from Good Life Permaculture and Brenna Quinlan. So cool. We, yeah, yeah. Um, there, and I just thought, wouldn't this just be an amazing opportunity? And we were able to make it work. So I did it, yeah. Amazing. So that was down in South Australia, was it? Yeah. Yeah, at yep. uh, the Food Forest, yep. which has um, been running for over 25 yeah, years, I think, like really yeah. well-established, like big-scale kind of permaculture demonstration site. They run PDCs and things down there. I'll as have well. to get the link for that. I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah, I had only heard of it a little bit. Mm. Um, they don't do a social media presence, do they? Where Where are they exactly in South Australia? Yeah, like it, it's um, in the hills or? Agola? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. live down there for a little while. So oh, yeah. my dad, yeah, my dad lives down there. So we'll be down there at Christmas oh, time. Yeah. I might, might come do a tour or something. <laughs> I'd highly recommend it. It was such a wonderful venue. And cool. um, Graham and Anne-Marie were wonderful hosts. And you get to see, like, they gave us tours as part of the, you know, if you want to stay back after learning today, um, we can give you a tour and things like that. So we got to see lots of the property, see lots of different implementation. and. Um, yeah, it was just a really big but uh, amazing experience as well. Are you planning on doing anything particular with that training or it was just to kind of expand your knowledge and learn more? Well, I guess it's the reason my interest kind of went into that was because I felt like Will already had so much experience with teaching being like having a degree in it. Um, and yeah, uh, like I just noticed around here particularly like um, – that there was there seemed to be like a lack of female teachers mm. and yet you do a course and it's usually 90 percent female participants so, so true all, you know, i'd love to even though it's not something i feel confident in like at that point i'd really like to learn to be because I, I think it's really nice to see like when i was looking for pdcs i was definitely looking to you know learn from other women and found that quite difficult to get I mean COVID obviously prevented a lot of them and things like that mm. but um yeah it, it was I found it quite odd that you know there yeah. was abundance of non-teachers in the area and uh yeah and so I think you like even permaculture at the pub it's often like women, women that are bringing husbands yeah. along and things like that yeah, but I think your point that you made earlier that, you you know, a lot of stories of how you get into permaculture from a female perspective is your family. 
Mm. You know, yeah. you do it because you're having children or that you've had a child and it's, you know, you being more conscious about your decision-making around your life and your lifestyle and what that looks like. Yeah. So then it's hard then in that season of your life to then go on and do teaching and do those things because yeah. you're in your motherhood era. Like it, it can be hard to then leave the home or to fit that into your life. So, yeah, yeah I think there's a few matriarchs kind of, like people that are yes. a bit older when you think yeah. about um, more a gamble and um, – um, definitely Hannah Maloney where they kind of pass that you know real intense stage of motherhood where you can start doing those things a bit more yeah it's um it, and it's definitely something that held me back from you know like we'd been practicing permaculture for years before I was able to actually lock in and do a mm. PDC myself um I was actually pregnant when you were doing yours yeah, yeah mm. that's right so yeah, you you do have those time restrictions as well that yeah um, you you kind of feel like not so much locked in, but just that there's only certain things that are available to you when mm. you have small children. Mm. You feel though, Anthea, that it benefited you uh, waiting a little bit too. So where you'd actually been applying a lot of those permaculture ethics and principles and really living and breathing it. And then going along and, and doing the course, you had a, a better understanding than maybe someone who's just discovered it and signs up tomorrow and goes gets there and thinks, I'm here for a gardening course. Yeah, 100%. I think it was a different experience to what you probably would have had years before where I was already familiar with a lot of the content, like the theory, because mm -hmm. I because I couldn't do a PDC, I was reading bits and pieces online and, try, and basically piecing together a PDC on my own. Uh, and so when I went there, I felt like in a way I could get more out of it because I didn't have that feeling of overwhelm at the end of every day thinking, oh, this is so much new information. Um, so it was quite good to really be able to focus on all the little details I hadn't mm -hmm. captured yet, coming home with notes of look into this, look into this person, um, this link was really good today and like getting all the details, I guess, out of it. Mm -hmm as well as knowing that we were probably going to go into teaching um, and particularly teaching PDCs at some point, going, okay, like I like the way this is structured and kind of looking at the PDC itself while participating in it and what we got from that as a student versus mm. an yeah. educator. Yeah. I think it's a great point, Jay, like to turn up um, at, at a PDC and that be your first exposure to permaculture, I think, like it's not a, to be at a disadvantage, but it's overwhelming. Yeah. It, yeah. it used to be the understanding that as a prerequisite per se, that you did an intro to permaculture first. Yes. And that you, you know, you got that under your belt before turning up for something so intensive. And then yeah. just, you know, just the demands of a time poor culture yeah. that we're in that yeah. um you know that's sort of fallen away and now mm. it's like oh well i've just got to get to this course and start it and i think once people arrive at them they go oh whoa <laughs> yeah that's how joe and i both did um our kind of into permaculture we did the tour at brett's first yeah and i went oh my god i was there in spring and i was like i don't know what's a plant and what is not a plant and there's just so much here and like you know yeah. He's talking about systems. I'm like, all I can see is passion fruit. Like everything's <laughs> just overgrown in spring. Like it's exploding. So I was like, I'll come back and do the intro in a different season, which was really cool because then I got to see it yeah. in um, late summer. 
Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is really different from what it looked like in spring. And then Joe and I did our PDC in winter, which was then like peeling back all the layers and going, oh, I can see what's under all this stuff and, you know, how he establishes it to get into spring and the systems that were involved. So it was really cool seeing all those different seasons, but also, like you said, you did the tour and you go, oh, okay, there's some things I want to go home and think about or research or read up on. And then you do the intro and it's, again, that next step of, okay, these are the principles and, you know, this is what's informing his decision-making and then to go to that next level and do the PDC where you can kind of unpack it all and, you know, really get into the nitty-gritty of certain aspects of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I know we, like, I, I've had an exposure before. I've, I've been interested in permaculture. I've been one of those fringe dwellers for a while where, you know, <laughs> again, YouTube was, was my best friend. You know, YouTube mm. everything, read lots of books, lots of articles and blogs, things like that, listen to podcasts, um, but had this massive disconnect. Like, I just, there was so much in the middle that I just didn't, couldn't get my head around. So I thought that I was doing well, but then I was having all these failures and I'm thinking, what, what is it that I'm missing here? Um, and it was, it was the systems and the connection and the integration of all of the principles and how everything gets applied together in different contexts and in different layers. Um, but poor Anthony, yeah, he, same thing, yeah, just came along, you know, did the, did the farm tour and I said, right, we're signing up because I had signed up for an online um, so I can understand what you were saying before, Anthea, about, you know, mm. online learning is not really um, necessarily um, the right way to go for everyone, whereas for some people it's a it's a really amazing option. For, for me with other topics, online has been great. Permaculture, I really needed to eyeball people and have conversations and be there on the ground to really get that understanding. Um, but yeah, so poor Anthony, he was, he was one of those just like, we'd get in the car after a day and we wouldn't talk the whole way down the buckets way. We wouldn't talk because we're both just processing, but yeah, you could just see him going, holy crap, like (laughs) so much information. And then the day after it would be, you know, it had all been processed and it's all coming out. Um, but it's had such a massive impact on our lives and our thinking and our, the way we do things um how we communicate like it, it's it's hard to really put into language once you learn and once you understand how that really does integrate through your life in all aspects yeah it really does I think that's another benefit to doing those PDCs face to face is that you get the social connection that goes with it mm. so me at that point in time I was like obviously I'm after my certificate um, and some practical skills like being there and seeing and that, I mean you can watch them in videos but it's nice to be a part of them too and participate when you want to and um, be there to have conversations with other people when you know there's time to do that in between maybe but then the takeaway from it at the end is that you've met people usually from a reasonably local area mm. to you and you learn from their experiences as well during the course um, rather than, you know, thinking of it as just learning from your teacher or teachers. It's like we said earlier, even people who are new to it will have some kind of skill to bring or some kind yeah. of knowledge to share, even if it's just, oh, I follow this great podcast, uh, you should check it out. There's so many little things that, you know, those little, little tiny little seeds I guess that get planted in you and then you you take them and and can 
follow along as you want to. Like cleaning those little points of interest that you can do in person. So like, yeah. I think from a teaching perspective, like, you know, you, you set a curriculum and it's very much a patterned plan that you're putting there and mm. you'll, you'll try to have designed it to have details in there for your learners, but it's that point of need with the students where the deep like that's where you really get down to the detail you figure out what does that person not know what do they need to know right now to get to the next step mm. and that's like nigh impossible to do online compared yeah. to how well you can do it in, in person I think so I had the option of doing it at the Channon because that's where we thought we were kind of going to settle in that northern rivers area but my mum was in Scone, so she was able to watch the kids while my husband and I both went. So we did ours with Brett Limestone for that reason. And I kind of was really torn because I was thinking, oh, if I do it at Limestone, there's not going to be the, my connections and I'm not going to learn, you know, who has the good mulch and who can I go to for this? And that was kind of part of the reason I wanted to do it up at the Channon so that I could actually meet people and, yeah, do it again too, <laughs> meet people and kind of form those connections. But I'm yes. glad I did it at Brett because that protracted nature of his course was something that I think I really benefited from that it, we got to do a plan for a pr property that we had in mind um, and then obviously go through it at a slower pace. Um, one of the benefits of buying a different property is that we get to do it all over again. Like you said, we'll have to go through all the course notes and do our site sector and all those things from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's really important when choosing a course and something Joe and I have touched on in the past as well is you pick someone that you think you're going to gel with too. So we mm. uh, we did Brett because my partner is very systems-based and analytical and he wants processes and procedures. And some gardens are, you know, definitely not as aesthetical as Brett's. You know, you have people who, you know, a massive part of it is finding resources and, you know, putting things aside and you can go to some permaculture gardens um, we've been through a, a couple with hip camp and they obviously you can stay at these hip camps yep. and you get there and there's just like overflowing piles of stuff everywhere and I thought if I did a course like that I I would not resonate and I yeah it can be labeled as messy gardeners I think sometimes that's our property right yeah. now we have we have piles <laughs> We have, we had, a, we originally had a throw out pile where it was like, okay, this stuff is absolutely done. There is nothing that could ever be, you know, we can't reuse it. We can't reutilize it. Like it, it's absolutely cooked and we let it sit there. And it's amazing that, you know, necessity is an amazing thing because all of a sudden we're now creating things <laughs> out of what was going to be absolute, you know, we didn't want it to send to landfill, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, usable. We're now finding uses for so yeah. much of it. So we're just going to let it sit there. It looks terrible. It's what welcomes you when you drive through our gate. We've got this beautiful, beautiful new fence, a beautiful new gate and a big pile of crap. But, but that crap is being very useful crap. So, you know, it's, it's going to stay there until it gets all used. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to find that balance because obviously, you know, there's so many temptations out there when people are giving things away, especially in our council area. We have one council chuck out every year. That's oh, why. wow. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> we, in time. That's we, what that is. It, yeah. So, you know, there was one year we picked up like six compost bins because everyone yeah. that you seem to be just throwing out perfectly good compost bins. And um, so we were like, okay, where are we going to keep these now? Like, obviously, they'll be useful even just to give away to other people. Like, I just don't want to see that going to landfill. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, that resourcefulness versus like also having a, a 
either a property or a part of the property at least where you look at it and you just feel good because it's so much a part of design is yeah. is that human element and what you want to get back is um the like the feeling you get in that space yeah. is a year itself it's it doesn't yeah. have to be food or medicine or you know it can and to stack functions ideally you'll get some some of everything but yeah um yeah it's a really important part of it because if you look at it and you're unhappy with it it's that's not a good place to be yeah. I remember Brett said one day he's like I had all this amaranth and it was beautiful and gorgeous and it was taking up all this space in my garden so I got rid of it and I was thinking I'd want that because that's what would make me want to get into my garden like all the wild cosmos and all the flowers and the bees and being yeah. able to sit there you know in the garden barefoot having a cup of tea before I start going out there and it draws you out there that's such a big appeal for me the aesthetical side and the beauty yeah. in some of the permaculture designs um I just think it's beautiful so it will make me want to go out there and engage with it yeah and the kids you know that's fascinating for them you know all the seeds and flowers and I want them to be happy and occupied while I garden so yeah that was part of the first being having to travel to get to the property one of the first things we implemented was spaces for the kids because yeah the more they entertained they were and the more yeah. at home they felt, the more work we could get done. Yeah. So that's... it was such a, a huge part of each part was making sure there were safe spaces and enjoyable spaces for the kids in every part we wanted to work in. Yeah, I said that to Oscar. We're sort of prioritising what we're going to do first. You know, obviously water is massive. We need to figure out our water situation. But I said we need to get a big pile of sand so the kids can have their dump trucks and play and we need to have a swing or a rope or something and just a pile of found materials for them because that will keep them engaged so that we can actually build garden beds and do these things. So I was like we really need to think about what the kids kind of will need and get some shade for them straight away so that we're able to actually go ahead and do things because otherwise it's impossible, you know. And it gives yeah. them an opportunity um, to be a part of what you're doing as well. It's not like they're tucked away oh, the inside somewhere on a device or something. They're out there. It's kinetic. They're engaging. And they're with mum and dad, you know, to the degree where you can still get done what you need to get done. But they're a part of that. And that's memory building too because mm. in years yeah. to come it'll be, oh, yeah, remember when? Yeah. And it's these stories that then yeah. continue on over time too. And that's so important. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have your own stories from childhood and how you interacted with um, your bigger properties. But even just in our little town backyard, I think one of the um, most prominent memories I have of gardening as a child is my dad, he dabbled in veggie gardening and he never he didn't do it all through the year or even every year but there was occasions where he'd be motivated and he'd put a veggie patch in amongst the orchard and like just playing in the corn was just amazing for me because you walk into this little patch of corn and you're just gone like you're not anywhere near where you thought you were you know the whole rest of the gardens disappeared yeah on the pdc touring properties with lots of banner grass there's a lot of people kind of getting shivers and stuff thinking, oh, like children of the corn, like it's giving the, the sound of it um, <laughs> blowing in the wind is yeah. quite eerie. And, and I said, no, I love it. Like that for me, it just brings back this memory of me interacting with my childhood garden. Yeah, and comforting, isn't even it? Even though I imagine my dad didn't think too much of it at the time because I wasn't actually gardening with him. He would have been gardening somewhere just outside mm. the corn patch, but I was in there interacting with it and having these great memories. Mm. Um, it's like a core yeah. memory for you now. 
yeah yeah it really is we've got a photo on the fridge of my brother and I just in gumboots like muddy and like with little shovels kind of thing and um just seeing my kids do that you know what I mean that connection that you feel and going you know what we're giving these kids a really good childhood so what future plans do you guys have for Maplewood build a house Uh, I love that you build the garden before the house. Yeah, absolutely. We've yeah. done what we, we've done what we've been able to do basically while we waited. But uh, no, the the farm wise, we we've um we've got kitchen garden, and then another kitchen garden. So that's sort of become more of a market garden. <laughs> um, we've got our orchard is pretty well, the trees are established now. Mm. That was one of the first things we did. So they're coming on to about four years um some of them five yeah nearly yeah. yeah and then same with the so we have like an orchard that's a bit it's formal um it's swaled on contour it has espaliered trees it's um you know in those rows and and kind of quite it's manageable. a management system yeah. yeah and then the food forest is a rambling walk through any fruit tree that takes our fancy basically yeah. <laughs> very experimental but um, built with the children in mind mostly, like lots of uh, shrubs where they can harvest it themselves. We try to keep it that everything in there is edible so that they are safe to go and wander and eat what they choose from that yeah. area. Um, a bit of a secret garden kind of. Go down a path, too. disappear like, out of sight. Yeah, sort of. Oh, go through an old wooden gate. Totally unnecessary, but it's nice to go through a wooden gate. <laughs> Or an arbor, I love you know an arbor that you can walk under. <laughs> yeah, choices, things that are, um, you know, so like thornless blackberry, so they can go and yeah enjoy yeah. the fruit there. Um, yeah. Mulberry with weeping branches, so that they can reach as it comes down to them. Yeah. Um, Cape gooseberry, so they unwrap the little paper lantern. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of little experience plants in there, basically. Yeah. yeah. But since we've been moving closer and closer along the journey too, it's kind of changed what comes next. So at this point, I think uh, we'll probably look at expanding into some of the other areas we haven't kind of gone into Yeah, yet. so we we sort of, you know, being that trap of not being able to live on the property has meant holding back on livestock and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to ask that. When we get to that opportunity properly, like we've dabbled in a few things, but um, we've got, a good half an acre um, that we've just been doing a bit of work on it this morning, but we're going to fence that for cell grazing and do a mix of um, syntropic agriculture, uh, windbreak shelter belts between. They're sort of like zone, these zone five native um, sections that will be wildlife corridors between paddocks mm. and then give all those other, like all the, they'll be super multifunctional. Um, so, but then, yeah, being able to like get into, um, experimenting with rotational grazing systems and that sort of thing, because everything we want to do is we're essentially building everything for the purpose of teaching from it one day. Yes. Like a demonstration purposes. Even even before purchasing the property that was in our mind. We need something that we can demonstrate from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all the base, yeah, it's pretty much comes down to each system is like its own little classroom. And so we're trying to you know we start with the patterns and we're getting down to the details in some of the systems that have been there a few years now getting down to the details of okay this is now ready where you could teach a decent workshop in here it's got enough of uh, what it needs to be established to 
to show how the whole system works. I think too, um, after summer is over, we'll probably go into opening up more veggie spaces as well. Um, looking into market gardening overseas, we realised a lot of the Europeans and, and that kind of thing are having winters off because it's just too cold to grow over yeah. there. And I thought we should be doing the same but with summer. Like yeah. it's so hard and water is such a precious resource and we still water everything by hand. Um, we have lines set up. But but we find that like... It's not as enjoyable. Yeah, it's not as enjoyable. <laughs> it's good when you're time for but... Yeah, yeah. Like there's definitely a place for that. But we kind of like the forced observation you have while hand watering and really interacting mm. with the space. Yeah. Um, so to be able to kind of keep things at a level that we can still, I guess, be true to our values. Um, we have decided not to do too much seasonal growing through summer because it's just too intense and too, like you just always feel like you're doing it out of necessity, like with the watering particularly, rather than because you enjoy it. So I find um, it could be a little bit heartbreaking as well because, yeah, you yeah. start to get to that point sometimes where it's like water is so precious do yeah do we just call it and just let things go or that you put so much effort into getting them to that particular stage and and it's it's hard it is really hard yeah it's really interesting we pretty much pulled back we pull it back to just the immediate kitchen garden area and then in the larger gardens like i've just been sowing mustard yesterday um and sunflowers will go in shortly and just Cover crops, cover crops and things, yeah. Pretty much put the put the yeah. garden areas to bed for summer. Have so, s- build some biomass and come back in autumn. Other parts of the business, like you know, what's next for that? I, we try not to plan too much ahead, just because of the year we've had and the great opportunities that have come up. Like you just never know what's around the next corner. So um, yeah. just being open to whatever is kind of thrown our way, really. Like let let the yeah. universe decide for you and see whether it, it fits yeah. and. Yeah. 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 Love it. We've got a few things to fall back on now. Like if, if there's a bit of a spot where we've got extra time, we'll obviously just devote that time back into the property for demonstration purposes for the future. Um, so we've got that flexibility, which is really nice as well. You don't want to overcommit either, I guess, because then if something does pop up, how you know, how do you say yes and fit it in? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, when we're talking before about, you know, you were doing a lot of self-education, what kind of podcasts and books and people do you kind of, um, look up to and, and use as resources? Uh, my fave, my two, oh, two, I said two and now I'm going to tell you like 10. <laughs> go, go for it. Um, if anyone is not watching um charles dowding and hugh richards i love hugh richards yep. so yep. much favor. he's so good <laughs> um yeah. and oh, like man. but yeah i love charles at his no till and mm. or no dig and everything going on there hugh is the most i think he's a fantastic educator mm. um and he's so practical and pragmatic and he doesn't get caught up in the waffle that people do. He keeps mm. it simple and but like he proofs in the pudding. Practical. Yeah. He's a beautiful garden and, and just the way the way he goes about it. Yeah, love that. Um bigger system, Richard Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. uh, Richdale Farm. Um he's like a big 
as far as a farm system mentor goes, that's someone I'd watch and and really look into how he goes about things. Uh, I'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have a turn? Yeah. You're taking all our answers, Will. <laughs> no, no, it's totally different to me. Cause yeah, no, we do. We watch different. Yeah. Yeah, like I do love that stuff too, but uh, I've been very interested in the work of Luby McNamara, who does a lot of social permaculture stuff, um, and I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts, like just – Usually I'll get into a podcast because I look up a person I'm interested in. So, um, you know, there was one where I, before I went to teacher training, I went and um, thought, okay, I'm going to listen to Hannah and Brenna on podcasts and like kind of get really psyched for it with that. And so that's when I found out about like the Future Setting podcast because I came up in the search for that and I was like, oh, yeah. Joe got me onto that. Yeah. And then there's um, uh, like... I, I just there's a lot of, there's a lot of like big stuff and a lot of like things that kind of I'll do a bit of this and a bit of that and flick between all these different resources and different people that I'm following yeah. um like I've been looking recently at a lot of stuff by uh Robin Francis and Robin Clayfield as well but again like very social permaculture um themed stuff mm. uh but then like what I really love is just learning from the people around us as well there's just so much information that like it's not being publicized you know it's there's these people locally that we've got who have so much knowledge and you know that they they have that and they might teach on pdcs or they might do little workshops and stuff but because it's not going huge i feel like i want to get that information so i can make sure i'm helping share what they know you know like really tapping into the knowledge of our local people mm. so like Brett and Nikki are both fantastic teachers and have a lot of knowledge to share so they're like so we've got that we're really lucky to have them less than an hour away we've yep. got Purple Pear Farm with yep. Kate Beveridge and Mark Brown and so we like between the two of them and then um, Meg McGowan as well is probably a bit over an hour away on the central coast mm. and just I think we really treasure every interaction we have with them because there's so much knowledge that they have collected and we can learn mm. from them in a yeah. really practical and casual way. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and, and even other people in our area, you know, we've got a lot of people who think that, again, through Permaculture at Pub, it, it often comes back to that, but we know people who, have all these little interests and and different ways that they've got their knowledge and you can go like sometimes I turn up to permaculture at the pub and I go you know what I'm going to talk to that particular person tonight because I know they know about this that I want to ask about and I want to learn about that or you might just go and pose a question to everyone and say does anyone have any experience with this or has anyone done this course or you know and you can really collect information just everywhere you go. And it'd be such a broad range of different um, people there too, from smaller yeah. holdings, larger, yes. you know, whether it's their full-time gig or something that it's doing on the side or livestock or gardens. Or... Yeah, a lot of tree changes. A lot of tree changes. Yeah. They come with that perspective coming from bigger cities like Sydney and things. Yeah. People who've lived overseas and, and seen permaculture over there, but then mm. also people who have grown up in traditional agriculture families, mm. and that's pretty around here i know when i went to south australia and they said oh i'm from the hunter valley they'd be like oh right so like big agriculture coal kind of mining area and i'm like oh yeah but you know like there's there's other things going on too yeah yeah 
It seems like Dungog and that area has such a huge permaculture um, influence there. Yeah, I yeah, think well, when we've been you know, when Brett um, shared the other day, you know, they've hit two hundred students. Yeah, so that, you know, he's that says something. From their farm, they have influenced an entire region. That's yeah. just their PDCs too. That's not their yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not their intros or their tours or them tours exactly. And, and you know, like he's that. and even both of them back when he was just doing cabinet. workshops. There's a lot of people who have done some of his early workshops but not done a PDC there. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think uh, like we, it's just. I mean, it's probably like that everywhere. There's probably like heaps of permies around that you don't even realize. But I mm. do feel very lucky, even before we lived in this area and I'd um, gotten our eldest into the preschool here in preparation knowing he'd be going to the school here so that he could make some friends and I turned up on the orientation day not knowing anyone and they kind of said like oh so where are you living what are you doing and I told him I said oh look we're setting up this demonstration property and everyone was so excited about it and I thought wow like so cool into this really traditional agriculture focused area you know we've got Tokal five minutes down the road like the big agriculture college mm. and you get like often I've been nervous going into situations thinking oh I'm definitely going to be like ruffling some feathers talking about permaculture here yeah but the community's been so accepting and excited and like generally wow. um, and welcoming yeah. it's been really lovely that's yeah. so cool yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, I don't know. He's, there's a lot of ripple effect going on. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. something Brett's mentioned to us in our PDC is you know if someone's living those values or they're practicing those things, you don't have to label it permaculture or regen ag. Like if someone's on that journey, just meet them at that place, and yeah. they'll get to where they're going to go eventually, whatever that looks like for them. But just the fact that people are talking about things through that lens and and living those values that you kind of can connect with them and not have to jam the word permaculture into the conversation you know and a lot of people have had bad experiences I find um, Mm. with something that they've associated with permaculture and you know I always get surprised when people say something like oh yeah I used to be into permaculture but now I'm not I think well you mustn't understand what permaculture is then really like you're just associating it with some like we said earlier the messy property deal with climate change and and waste problems and things like that instead of just really going back to those ethics and principles and going well do Mm. I live by them like is that something I apply in my life yeah Yeah. that's what we were saying last week it's a lens to which you see the world and how you choose to interact within it yeah and in Mm. there too like we're all people we're all humans we all come with our our quirks and our baggage and you know our positive perspectives and negative perspectives and so you've got all that going on as well so you know even within that you're going to have the extremes you're going to have the casual people at one end that dabble a bit here and there and they use that maybe for Mm. you know parts of their life but other lives you know parts of their lives are completely disconnected and then you've got you know the other scale where you've got the the militant people that are it has to be done this way or you're wrong yeah I think my favorite when they I mean like you know in a silly way but when they say oh that's not very permaculture it's like you don't understand context like you can't say that just from an outsider's view like oh you're using this material or um doing things and it's you you don't you have to really understand the people part to yeah. know whether that's practicing permaculture or not. Yeah, well, I'm driving a diesel guzzling car towing a three and a half ton caravan. Yeah. 
you know, and for someone on the outside to look in and say, oh, well, that's not very permaculture or that's not very, you know, ethical or, you know, and that might happen. But I think too um, the fact that oh, I was reading Retro Suburbia and I can't remember the exact circle, but I'll put it up on Instagram. Um, it even had uh, like, you know, very technical versus very natural way of um, looking at things. So I think it's like a hands-off approach and very hands-on. And then one was um, – uh, intuitive versus um doing it in a very um like systems based way and then they actually plotted different well-known permaculturists and yeah. ways of thinking on this chart so it had like you know indigenous um cultures might be down here and then you've got someone like you know Charles Dowling he's up here and then this person's yeah. here so you can actually see even though we come at things from very different ways whether it's structured or not structured being intuitive or following a textbook you kind of still sit within that circle it's just a different way of looking at it and some of them are highly productive and the other one was you know not so intensive so it was it was interesting I'll have to find it and put it up as a reference but I was like that's really cool because there is so many ways to go about it that's right and I mean our whole life is part of that journey like even if you don't associate it with permaculture you know we're talking before about um those like key memories from from childhood and things Mm. like that like that all shapes how you get to where you are and even before that I think lately I mean we've always realized that we've we work well with intuition you know we might not always understand why something feels right but if it feels right that's there's probably a reason that that's the way we should go about that particular Mm. project and um just learning more about my family history realizing that um there's people who I never got the chance to meet or met them in their older age and didn't realize what they did when they were young because they didn't talk about it but uh you know like just knowing that I've got grandparents who have been gardeners like avid gardeners um in a way that was very natural and they built this they focused on building the soil for months before actually planting anything and and doing like participating in these practices that they wouldn't have called permaculture but it's just like I feel like that's still part of my journey into yeah. getting to this point and so I don't even understand my whole journey to here how yeah. could someone on the outside looking in mm. say well that's not mm. permaculture if they don't even understand like no yeah. I've got to this point or what and else might be going on the knowledge in, in those old school ways of gardening like I come from a Croatian background and you think of Italians and Greeks and Croatians who they did these things because it was their way of life it wasn't permaculture but so much of what they did encompasses a lot of those principles and practices or on the flip side you know I'm really interested in there's a guy um, Marcus Pierce who has this um, program called Your Your Exceptional Life and it talks about the eight different areas of your life and you know that has nothing to do with permaculture but a lot of those things weave their way into what I believe because one of the things is food you know one of the things is how you show up and you know those things are a part of our permaculture journey even though it has nothing to do with permaculture so I think different influences definitely kind of weave their way into your journey and how you do permaculture kind of thing and I think it's important to look outside of permaculture as well to further our permaculture journey yeah about when we um, invite people to permaculture at the pub to try and capture a bigger audience and people who are interested specifically in that and mm-hmm. go to gardening groups go to like other local groups that might be interested um, but uh, also in education so where we look at courses that aren't necessarily permaculture courses mm. but we mm. think well, what can that bring to our permaculture knowledge and yeah um, 
kind of anything yeah, yeah anything that's holistic or systems based in some way it's yeah. gonna yeah. help you know yeah. it's yeah. yeah yeah and I'm very into slow living in general because I had a big yeah. kind of health and mental crisis um mm. after I had Fergus our, our smallest yeah. and how that led me into permaculture too that observing and slowing down and you know reflecting and making sure you know you know that's all part of my permaculture journey and slow living does have a lot of overlaps you know with with permaculture so there's lots of different things I think that can all fit into that lens of living yeah I always think anything where you're focusing on self-care as well because I Mm, think social permaculture um I tend to think about it in zones just because, you know, like your zone zero, zone one, um, and that zone zero, like really starting with yourself and allowing space to not feel um, like you're not doing enough or um, just kind of doing what you can to create time and space for yourself can really help you reflect well to the people around you and and be able to help them along. Yeah. what do they say put your own oxygen mask on first like it's yeah I was about really to say hard that. as a mother to kind of do that a lot of the yeah. time I think just trying to not feel um, guilt when you do something that is helping you to feel better because if you mm. can create the time for yourself then it, you know obviously you know that like having kids can be very draining and and it's really hard to pour from an empty cup so mm. It's nice to just go, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to feel guilty about it because yeah. that is part of me being a better uh, role model for my kids yeah. and letting them see me um, take care of myself is important as yeah. well. And the power yeah. of saying no too, you know, you can, yeah. there's there's danger in overcommitting and overdoing we're, everything. We're really and <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, if you're so burnt out because you're doing yeah. all these things and saying yes, and then, you know, the whole reason you got into it was, you know, to improve your food and food security. And then that goes to shit because you've got a lot of other stuff going on. You know, then what? You know, like, that's yeah. not helpful for you. That's not helpful for your family. So the power of balancing and saying no, because you can't, you can't do everything and be on every board or do every community event. It's just not possible. It's really like in, in yeah, managing expectations. Yeah. yeah, and they don't know what else you might be volunteering for as well, I find, because they're really into, um, you know, whatever club that they're trying to get you to come on board with. And, mm. and they're like, oh, yeah, but if everyone did, like, just this little job for us, and I'm like, yeah, but a lot of those people are doing little jobs for someone else mm. and, and they're all building up. And so that's something we've been practising more recently is, mm. okay, this is where we are. Like, we we can't take on any more than what we've got at the moment. Yeah. We let one of those, if one of those things gets let go, you know, if you, if you leave that committee or you yep. um, stop committing time to this particular thing, then we can replace that with something. Mm. But we can't just keep saying yes, because, and it's not always because we feel, oh, we should, you know, we, we could be really helpful to them, but a lot of the time we want to do it. Mm. Like I'd love to be like yeah. down at the school every single day doing gardening club, you know, like I just, um, I love it. it's so rewarding and so fun, but I really, there's only so much I can realistically commit to it and yeah. do a good job. And not to be crude about it either, but for some people it's a business. So I'm working on social media accounts for some permaculture um, farms and businesses. And, you know, one of the struggles I hear is that people are wanting free resources or free knowledge all the time. I think it's great that you guys do the Q&A section of what you do, 
but you know we all have infinite time and for someone to sit there and reply to all these comments because they've got you know 100k worth of followers Mm. and answer people's questions it's just not realistic and also you have a business to run like you need to be able to charge for some of these services too Mm. so it's that fine line of how do you provide free stuff and education and be a a resource to your community and people around you but also actually get business because you're running courses yeah so you know there's always that side it comes from that like if you don't um make sure you get paid for some of your work you can't be as available to other Mm. people who might need you as well so Mm. um it is it is really hard to find that balance I think particularly in permaculture but um at the same time like it's like we work as much as I always talk about we work as much as we can for free because we just Mm. love doing it and um often the first time we do something we'll do it for free because it's great experience for us we get to play around and, and not have that pressure of someone's paying us we have to do it this particular way we get to kind of experiment with how we yeah. teach that or how mm. we um go about doing doing that job Mm-mm. and um once we feel more like yep yeah, we've really kind of got a better understanding of how we want to go about this that's when we kind of would start looking at charging for it and that's a good point too like you yeah. are getting something out of it because it's a learning experience yeah. as well so it's yeah. building your skills and and your bandwidth for what you can do and yeah it's really cool. demonstrating fair share yeah 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 we we're very passionate about that and do that as much as we can even when we were running the farm gate stall it was a pay as you feel kind of thing yeah um, we found that the generosity of people meant that we generally you didn't really lose out. Yeah, you, you don't lose out anyway, or we mm. didn't. I'm sure it's different in different cases, but um, it just meant that, you know, we hope that, and also because we're not there, it means that if anyone really needed to or wanted to, they could come and take things and not pay at all, and we would never know, um, and mm. they'd be free to do that. That's not, you know, an issue. We and really, if it's an abundance for you and it's going to yeah. go to the compost because it's going to sit there and yeah, rot, then... Is it a big deal that someone takes it if they really need that cabbage or carrot or whatever it is? And they can, yeah, do yeah. so without, yeah, without the fear of judgment or having to explain the situation or, you know, because I feel yeah. that sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of people may not um, want to come and, and, yeah, if you say you're manning the stall or like, you know, when you see like you can get the free coffees and things like that, a lot of people don't want to front yeah. up and say, hey, you know what, I'm in a tight spot and I really need a hand. And so being able Mm. to give people the opportunity to do that of their own free will, I think that is such a beautiful gift. Mm. Um, I think too because it's not just the fact that they have to be willing to share that part of themselves in some situations to get that free coffee or whatever they like. But it's also it's draining when you're already like at a point where you feel really defeated and you have to go and tell that story again. Like, no one wants that. It's mm. yeah, You it's don't want to have to explain yourself it. over and over again. You just, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're in it's survival draining. mode and, yeah, it's, it, you just need what you need to be able to keep going and, yeah, to be able to have that opportunity is, yeah, is yeah. absolutely wonderful. We generally ask a grounding final question to everybody that's the same yeah. um, and it is if you have one piece of permaculture advice that you'd want to give to somebody, what would that be? So mine, mine is like just keep going back to the ethics and principles. I think mm. um, you can, I don't think you can ever really be done with them. I think listening to other people talk about them and their perspective of them is refreshing and can bring new ideas. And the more you practice looking at them and like um, 
incorporating them into your life, the more creatively you can learn to apply them mm-hmm. in other parts of your life as well. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Um, I'm going to say one from the design perspective, and it's kind of one of those situations like, you know, beg, borrow, steal, <laughs> get your hands on um, yeah. the design manual and yeah. and read it because there's yeah. a lot of, there's, I just when when Anthony and I were talking about this one, we were saying like there's a there's a lot online that you come across, um, and they're like, oh, I've thought of this, or you know, look at this cool way of doing things. It's like, oh, that's in the design manual. <laughs> All there. It's, it's such a big text, yeah, and it's a bit inaccessible because it can be even hard to track it down. And when, then when you do, it's expensive. Yeah. But like if if you set yourself a challenge to like spend a year reading that book, cause it probably would take a year. Yeah. Um, I know like it's, uh, yeah, it's just this wealth of back to the yeah. fundamentals. Yeah. Speaking yeah. about books quickly, um, I ran into someone here locally and they told me that currently retro suburbia is a pay what you can afford ebook at the moment, yeah. which I learned. Yeah. So if anybody wants that, um, Obviously, it's nice to have the paper copy, but if you want the electronic version, yeah, it's a pay yeah. as you feel as um, you can. I'd add to that, like, lean on your local libraries as well. Yes. Hey, yeah. like, you know, can yeah. we get this one in? Yeah, a lot yeah. of them love having people request, oh, this is a book that I'm really keen on. Can so you true. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think we first when we first borrowed Retro Suburbia, we had to wait. Yeah, when it came. Three, <laughs> three or four, I think we had to wait four months. Wow. So we were like, <laughs> on the lid. And then you're only allowed to have it for two weeks in such high demand. It's different now because we've borrowed it since and, like, it was just on the shelf ready to go. You're, like, cramming for two weeks just trying to absorb all the information. And, again, because you're planning it in advance, you're like, okay, I'm going on that wait list. By the time it comes up, you might have 50 other things going on in your life that you didn't when you first put your name down and you're like, okay, how am I going to have time in two weeks? I've got two weeks for this. Like, this big. Yeah. I ended up swapping Retro Suburbia with the new Milkwood book that I got with this lady here in town. So we'll have it till Christmas and swap back. So that'll be nice. And then, yeah, because we wanted to do 100 acres and now we're only on one and a half. And I was like, oh, Retro Suburbia is so much more relevant to me now in this context. So I really wanted to see whether it would be worth buying. Um, So, yeah, now I will. I've kind of really enjoyed reading it. Able to, yeah, lean on your networks. And, you know, even if you don't have those personal connections, Use social media for mm. good. Put it out there and ask people, like, do they have this yeah. book that, that you can borrow or you can do some sort of a swap with? Like, there's so many different ways mm-hmm. to be able to to get access to that information. So, yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, guys. It was so good <laughs> listening to you and talking to you and learning about all the stuff you guys are doing at Maplewood. Thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's true. Have a great weekend. All right, no worries. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Don't forget, we've also got our Facebook group. So if you want to jump into our Facebook group to talk about more things that Will and Anthea mentioned, I know they're already in the groups. I'm sure they'll be happy to answer some questions and connect with you guys. And if you have any questions for us or want to unpack anything else, let us know and we can jump in there and answer your questions and have a chat. So thanks for listening to the Practical Permaculture Podcast. We hope this episode gave you some inspiration, confidence, and has helped you in your permie journey. Head to the show notes for all the resources mentioned in today's episode, 
And if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and share. And if you need it. Oh, well, we love you. Fantastic. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.